Corey at? Oh, there he is. You're hiding. Get up here, man. Get up here. Let me help you up. Let me help you up. I know it's tough. So Corey, um, grab a mic right there, T. Um, Corey is in town. If you may remember, uh, Corey, uh, we, we sent out to uh, become a Marine. That was his, his mission, his goal. And, uh, and he's back in town. And how'd that go? Good. Are you a Marine now? Yeah. Nice. So we got to hang for just a minute last night a little bit. And uh, I mean, I'll let, I'm, I'm going to say it because maybe you feel like you're bragging, but he was number five in his class. And, right? And the difference between him and the number one spot, not to rub it in, percentage-wise, he had a 97% in all of what he did. The guy that got number one was 97.5. But that's all. We're okay with it. We made peace with it, right? It's good. Yeah. Yeah, he, you just don't like that guy. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, man. So um, tell us a bit about what, what, you, what you just did and then where you're headed. Uh, so I just finished my uh, MOS training. So MOS is like my occupation, what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my uh, military career. Um, so I just finished that, and that was just like in eight weeks, they shoved all this information down my throat and then tested me on it. And so it was like getting, getting to learn all that and like something that I didn't think I'd ever be able to do, like that was pretty cool. But um, what's next for me is uh, uh, my final order, my final uh, duty station for, uh, for the rest of my contract is uh, going to Japan in uh, Okinawa. So that's where I'll be. Yeah, man. So just a little bit more about like what's it like to come back here after being gone? Uh, so, so I was telling Joe last night, I was like, coming back here is a little strange. It's like, I surrounded myself, like, by Marines and, like, Marines with, like, responsibilities all the time. And, like, you make time hacks, and if you don't make those time hacks, you're going to get messed up. And uh, so I've been doing that for, for, like, seven months now. And then coming back home is very strange for me because it's, like, not everybody is rushing to do something. <laughs> not everybody is rushing. <laughs> not everybody's rushing to clean the bathroom. And like having like time hacks to make that and like get it inspected one time and have it look nice. And like it's just like so strange. It's like I don't I don't need to make my bed every day when I'm at home. <laughs> I don't I don't need to like uh like make sure like I'm in I'm like looking good all the time. Like I could just put on sweatpants when I'm here, but <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just like very strange for me. And it's like I love coming home because I get to see like my family and my friends, and like I love my family and friends. But like all like it's good for like a weekend, and then I want to go back because I know that I still have stuff to do, and like I still have a duty that I have to do. So that's awesome. And yeah, and God's God, uh, God kept you uh, close over the last seven months or so, right? I mean, yeah. military is not an easy place to to live out your faith. Yeah, no, it's not. It's within like the first two weeks of me being uh, like at my MOS school. They uh, I, my my faith was really tested. Like 
very much. It was like uh, I didn't know anybody. I didn't wasn't like friends with anybody yet. Like, but like within within the next like couple of weeks, I was like, I was fine. I found two really good friends, and they were Christian, and like my roommates were Christian. My one of my instructors, he was a Christian, and like he really spoke to me, and like he's like military, like he's a staff sergeant, so he's been in for like 12 years. And he's like, within that 12 years, I've tested every day. And it's like, you got to know where you come from. And you got to know who your God is to actually make it through and uh, keep your faith. So, Awesome. I would uh, like to say, too, that he's going for three years to Japan. And the plan right at this point is that you won't be back um, just because of the way it works. It's going to be tough and not sure about that, right? Yeah, like a ticket, just one ticket one way is like $1,000. And then you have to give it like two days for travel because Japan's like a day ahead of us. And so you, just, you have to give two days for travel. And like, I don't make a lot of money, <laughs> but all the, the money that I do make, like I will like save and so I can come back and like see all you guys. But it's yeah. gonna be hard. To come back. So I would love to pray for this guy because he will not be here next weekend and um, he will be on his way, making his way out to Japan. And so if you guys wouldn't mind, um, you know, we don't normally do this, but this guy's making a three year commitment and he's going to be gone for a while. Would you guys mind standing for this guy? So, God, we just lift up Corey right now. And we are so blessed to know this guy and to see, God, you moving in his life. Lord, we pray for protection. We pray for favor, open doors. Lord God, for promotion and advancement. Lord, over the next three years, Lord, that you would um, keep him close to you, that his faith would increase. Lord, that, um, that he would continue to be connected to new people in Japan that, that have faith as well. And Lord, that he would be a light in that place and that he would begin to see how his life can point people to you. So, Lord, we just uh, we lift him up to you, and we, we thank you for him, and we pray, Lord God, that you would order his steps as he goes and uh, let him know that there is a crew back here loving him and praying for him all the time. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, bro. Thank you. Get out of here. All right, we're going to count the kids out, um, and uh, they're going to go back to class. So here we go. One, two, three. We'll see you guys. And the crossing is today, so if you're in the crossing, make your way out for that. That's amazing. Um, And we are going to keep moving right along. Um, If you guys got a news and events, just a quick thought for you. There's several things that are on there that we're not going to necessarily highlight, um, but we do have the food pantry this Tuesday and a beach day this Thursday. Let us know about that on the clipboard, which is on the left side of your row. If you could grab that and send it to your right. That's just a way for us to know if uh, you're interested in getting information or being a part of what's going on here at Second Place. Um, Super awesome things that are happening, lots of ways to connect. And I'm really excited because um, we are tracking pretty closely in terms of giving. And so if you kind of track that on the news and events, um, thank you for your generosity. If you came to give today, there's joy boxes on either side of the room or you can give online or via text. Um, The stories of guys like Corey are stories of why we exist as a church. If you would have met that kid when he first came here, uh, he was was quiet, sitting by himself, and didn't really want to say a whole lot to anybody. 
and now he's up here as a Marine, and he's just talking like it's no big deal. So that's, that's a, exactly the type of story that we love. Is anybody uh, hungry in the room? Yes. Yeah. You're hungry in the room. All right, what do you have a taste for? Cinnamon rolls, that's very specific, I like that. That's probably doable. Um, anybody else have, something, have a taste for something? Steak? Steak, all right, cool. Um, that's, that's, that's definitely, that's, that's highbrow, yeah, that's good. Um, anybody else have a taste for something? Yeah, Kevin? Cheese pizza? Okay, anybody down for some pizza? Yeah? Um, does anybody have a taste for fudge stripe cookies? Okay, Angela, I got you. Here's a bag of fudge stripe cookies. You are, that was, a, that was a toss. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. Anybody else? I got some more. Oh, Corey, really? All right, and then, and then that was a horrible toss, and I'm not going to throw one at you. All right, cool. Well, here's the thing. Today is a second part of a series called Two Things. And last week, I talked about two kingdoms. This week, I talk about two hungers two different types of hunger. And I think that, um, just to rewind for a second, last week I was talking about the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man, and how the kingdom of God, you really can't see it until you're born again, until the spirit um, moves in your heart, and you begin to see the kingdom of God, and you start to understand the world a little bit differently. And the way that the world works in the kingdom of God is that it changes the way that we see success. And you guys remember the triangles, right? That flipped. And the idea that it changes the way we see leadership. It changes the way that we do relationships. It actually changes the way that we do conflict resolution, right? That awesome, awesome phrase, conflict resolution. It changes the way that we interact with each other. And I'm sure no one needs conflict resolution help in their life, right? But Jesus is so good because he, he helps us understand it differently and to begin to bring life through that process rather than death. And so today, I want to further talk more about these two hungers. And obviously, the first one is the one that we all are experiencing potentially right now, where we are hungry physically, right? So that, that makes sense. And we, our goal is to stop that, right? We want to not feel hungry it's annoying. We feel that, that pain in our stomach. And so we're, we're dreaming about what we can go get after service today or we're, we're wanting a particular um, meal or food. And that's, that's very natural, obviously. Um, and, and then there's this thing that Jesus talked about and Scripture talks about a lot, which is this idea of hungering for God. And if we've been around church for a while, like we kind of get that, right? Um, Matthew 5 Verse 6 is the Beatitudes in 5, 6, and 7. And this is what Jesus says. He says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for being right with God, being, being able to know God, hungering after God, wanting to understand or maybe just be opened up to the power of God, to all those mysteries about God. That's what we're hungering and thirsting. That's what we are to do. And what Jesus says is that if you are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, good news you're blessed, you actually, you exist in a state of well-being, which would be blessed, because you will be satisfied. Now, we often think, well, like, where's that satisfaction at? Like, I, I'd like to have that right now. 
Um, but it's not necessarily a satisfaction that we, can, we will see right away in our culture with instant gratification. That's kind of what we think, but it's not always that way. And, and so when we get into church world and we get into uh, a room like this, you have a guy up here talking about, hey, Jesus says, you know, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, good news, you're blessed because you're going to be satisfied. And we start to think, am I hungry? Am I hungry for God? Am I thirsty for God? Psalm 63, we read it twice to you today. Like, it's this idea of longing for God. Like, those words sometimes can seem really intense, but we get it, right? We get it. Like, this is a hunger that we kind of understand as well, especially if we've been around church for a while, or if we don't know God, we'll walk into a room like this and we'll say, you know what, I want something that's here. These people have something that I really, really want in my life, and God begins a hunger in you, and, and then he satisfies that. So I think that that's kind of like the first hunger. And, and we can talk about probably a whole other series, is how do you develop that hunger? How do you sustain a hunger? Like in our physical lives, we're trying to stop the hunger. We're trying to eat something. To, to, and I think that what, what we see is like when we're hungry for God, it's a good thing. And I think, and for me, the spiritual and the physical are very connected. And so what I think is like the way that we stay hungry for God, just a side rabbit trail, is that when we do stuff with our faith, when we get out there and we challenge ourselves to maybe share with someone or to invite someone or to serve at Love Moni or to walk in the 6K, you're going to get hungry physically there. But you're also going to see that you're going to be hungry for God because you're giving out of what God has, has given to you. When you sit and you don't do anything with your faith, you get kind of like full and happy. And there isn't really a whole lot of need to be hungry. You're not really hungry because you're, you're, you're not doing anything. You're not exerting your faith and causing yourself to be hungry. And God works that in us, and he kind of designed that, that the more that we step out in faith, the more that we need him, the more that we want him, the more that we hunger for him. You guys got that? Three of us. Does he, you guys got that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So now let's talk about the other type of hunger. There's this hunger, and it gets to be a little terrifying, okay? Just, for, just warning you. There's this other type of hunger or appetite that we can often have, which would be the opposite of this, which is the fact that we often find ourselves being distracted and being um, tempted by things that we should not do, um, things that are not God-honoring, things that kind of get us off of our game from our faith and causes us to feel separated from God and to, to really create a lot of um, enmity between him and I. And so, and so this is a, the other type of hunger. We see that there are things that we desire and we want those things. And if we're not careful, what we do is we follow those desires and we take those desires and we make them real. This message is designed to help us expose what is actually going on when it comes to our desires. Because for me, there was a, a lot of years of my life in my faith where it was all about sin management. So what it was all about is all about I need to do less wrong things and I need to do more right things and then God will like me more. 
if I can just get this list of things that I am not supposed to do to be very, very little, like I don't do these things, but I do all of these good things, then that's going to be where it's at. And I can somehow earn God's favor, but how many of you know that that doesn't work? Like if you live in the world long enough, you realize that, you know what, you can never do it right enough and there is always something in the back of your mind that is accusing you and telling you how horrible you are and how amazing. And so what this is designed to do is to expose what's really going on. And what's really going on is in Genesis 4. We catch up to this story after Adam and Eve have eaten the, un, the unidentified Old Testament fruit that we don't know what it was, but they ate it, right? And they ate it, and afterwards they have two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain is not a, not a great guy, as we will find out. Abel, um, Abel pleases God. And, and so Cain ends up offering God an offering, and so does Abel. And, and after this happens, God accepts the offering from Abel, but he rejects the offering from Cain. And in that moment, as, as that is recorded in chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, God has a conversation with Cain, and he says to him, why are you angry that I rejected your offering? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. And it desires, hungers to have you, to trap you, to hold you, but you must rule over it. What we're exposing today and what we're learning is that there are temptations, there are things that we are tempted to do, there are desires that, that are not of God that we need to have some sort of overcoming spirit inside of us to be able to navigate this world and a community around us to help us work through that, but there is something else going on. Sin hungers to have you. Sin has a taste for you. That is terrifying when you think about it. That no longer is it just me battling the internal Joe that's trying to not do these things. It's the fact that I'm in a battle. That there is, a, there is an external force that is trying to capture my heart, capture my motives, capture my will, and, and distract me so that I don't live out of who God says I am. Let me say it to you this way. You're being hunted. That's terrifying. The fact that there is a pursuit that's happening and you are the target, and you are now aware of it, somehow begins to beg the question, what do we do? Well, here's the thing. When you look at Cain, Cain um, offered what he did to God, and it was rejected. He was doing a duty. The way that God says it, there was something evil about what Cain did. 
He was rejected, and instead of trying to reconcile with God, he got angry, and he got envious, and there was strife, and he ends up killing his brother. Abel, on the other hand, he offers his offering from the heart. This is, this is a, a guide for us scripturally. You'll see it repeated over and over and again, that we're to offer from our heart, that we're to offer our first and best to God. And that we are to take care of each other. What does Cain say? Hey, look, am I my brother's keeper? I don't know where Abel's at after he kills him. He, th- this, is, this is an indicator that, hey, you know what? God is expecting Cain to be in community and to be taken care. And so all kinds of things break. And I would argue this, because I think that sin already had distracted and captured Cain's heart. So, so here's, the, here's the reality. We're being hunted. Um, we're, we're exposing something that's happening. It's not just me and this, this, this temptation. It's the fact that there's something working against me to actually get me off of my game. So, so what do we do? Um, 1 Peter 5 is uh, where you can hang out if you want to go there. And this is verses 6 through 9, and it talks a little bit about what we need to do. And so here's, here's some thoughts that you can have. So be alert and sober of mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. A lion that's looking for food is hungry. And then he says, resist him, standing firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. This, to me, is is powerful. Um, Hope, is there a slide before that guy? Right before this, he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time and cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So let's look at that that first slide that we looked at. That that really kind of helps us see, like, we're to be aware. And for some of us today, like, this is news. Like, this is helpful. That we're now going to be alert and aware now of what's really going on. And we're going to guard our mind. That's the second thing. We're going to guard our mind. We're going to have our wits about us. I love what um, Craig Rochelle, he's a pastor at Life Church, and he said this just a couple of weeks ago. He said, if sin can't destroy you, or if the devil can't destroy you, he will distract you. And how many of you know that being distracted is really, really easy, especially for me? Like, if I'm doing a chore, like, there's got to be something better to do. Like, let's go find, like, can we just go outside and let's play volleyball? I don't want to do laundry. Like, I get it. I'm distracted easily. But I think as a people, whether your personality is like mine or it's like yours, we're distracted easily. And, and the devil uses those distractions to get us off of our game. But the inside work, the inside work is really tough. The last thing here, resist him and remember. Resist and remember. Resist and remember that you are not alone. I don't know if, about you, if you've ever had a vulnerable moment when you're with a trusted friend 
or someone or group, and you're, you share something that is, man, this is like a really tough part of my life right now. I really don't know what to do. I'm kind of reaching out right now. And all of a sudden they say, oh, you too? Oh, man, I, I, I actually, I, I'm not alone. Like, this is, and this scripture is like, you got to remember, like, when you're under attack, when you're being hunted, guess what? So is everybody else. Let's just stop pretending like it's not happening, and let's expose the devil for who he is, a roaring lion trying to come and devour us. But the inside work in the prior slide, I think, is the harder work, because he says, hey, be humble. That's super easy, right? And to cast all of your anxiety on him. I mean, anxiety is a thing today, right? I mean, no one's anxious in the room, right? I mean, not a big deal. Um, it's such a big thing. And so I would say that your first step in, in fighting this and to be um, aware of what's going on in this hunt that's happening is Jesus first. Humbling yourself and being able to say, I don't got this. I love the residency program that we have started last month. We are going through a book called Home Run. And um, it's just all about developing the, the, the inside of you, the, the spiritual side of you. And in that, they talk about the fact that in the world, our whole goal and our whole process is about becoming more and more independent. That as we are, like when we're a baby, we're not like cooking dinner, right? We're dependent on mom and dad to feed us. We're dependent on them to dress us. I mean, it is a lot of dependence. And then as we grow up, we begin to have more and more independence over time, right? And, and eventually, you get kicked out of the house, and you're told to get out of here. You're supposed to be on your own, right? Maybe you didn't all get kicked out. And you're supposed to be independent. And so you kind of get to that point where you don't need anybody. And this is what I've been programmed to do for the last 30 years, man. I don't need anybody in my life. I got this. But if you look at the kingdom of God, as we grow spiritually, it's all about becoming less and less independent and more and more dependent on God. To be able to say, I've lived enough life, I'm 15, or I'm 50, it doesn't matter, but I've lived enough life to say, I don't got this, and I need Jesus in my life. That's why we talk about Jesus first. It's that humility that is so elusive in our culture because we're programmed to be independent and to not need. But the reality is that that's where our growth begins. And the second thing, so being humble is tough, and then the second thing is just cast all your anxiety on him. Well, it's great, but, I mean, if I cast all my anxiety on him, like, then what am I going to worry about? You know, like, I, that's my part-time job. And I would ask you just to check yourself right now and say, like, have you thought about and sat down in a quiet spot and just written down a list of all the stuff that's freaking you out? And literally take that piece of paper and be like, God, this is yours. I am literally handing this to you, and I'm going to set it right there, and I'm not coming back to it. 
or I'm going to throw it away and I'm not going to come back to it. I just wonder if our goal or our first reaction isn't to be humble and to cast our anxiety on God, but it's to say, you know what, rise up and let me figure this out. I got this and not only that, but let me fix what's going on because I'm so freaked out. I got to fix it. And so there's something about battling this thing that is hungering after you that's connected to being humble, putting Jesus first, and doing the work at home, home first, to say, you know what, God? I'm going to cast my anxiety. The stuff that I pretend is, is fine at church, when I get home, I am going to put you first there, and I'm going to give those things to you, and I'm going to say, God, I'm casting those on you. Why? Because it doesn't feel like it. I don't really understand it, but the scripture says you care for me. Cast all of your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. And you walk away. Might be really hard for a lot of us. Hard for me. But I think that this is where the work is at. So to kind of wind this down, I think that I'm talking to a few different people today. Number one, I'm talking to somebody who is just like, Joe, I've heard this before. Got it. I'm aware. I know that there is, there is this stuff that's battling against me that's trying to capture my attention and my affection. I get it. Well, guess what? Reminder for you, because the attack doesn't stop. I also think that I'm talking to a second type of person today who, when you walked in, you were in that sin management model, but now you're like, man, I'm being hunted. Like, there's something that desires to take me out. And I think you're aware now. You're starting to live out. You're literally experiencing 1 Peter 5, which says to be alert and sober of mind. You're experiencing that right now. But then I'm, I think I'm talking to a third person, too, who is caught and captured by sin, but doesn't know it. Have you ever known someone who is so messed up in their own stuff and they don't even see it? Let me tell you, if, if, if maybe, I, you might not even, like, I don't know, if you're starting to feel that way, and you're like, man, I'm starting to feel like there's, that's the Holy Spirit starting to work on you. Because here's what's happening. It is really, really hard to be in relationship with you. Because you're so self-unaware. And I would say, before you check the box and say, not me, I would say that there are parts of our lives at all times that Satan is working to distract and to capture, just like he did with Eve. Say, hey, you know what? Did God really say? Did God really say that you can't eat and that you would become like him? You see, Satan doesn't start with the big one. He doesn't say, go eat the fruit, dummy. He doesn't say that. He says, did he really say that? And so when he asks that question, there's no sin involved, but it gets us distracted in thinking. And so I really believe that all of us, to some extent, have something that we're unaware of. And then today, I believe that the Holy Spirit, through this and through the songs and through being around each other and him just being here, begins to reveal stuff in our heart. 
But think about this. When you are not aware or you say, I've got this and I don't need, I don't need to really worry about this, Joe, let me tell you, it is so difficult to work with you. It is so difficult to be in relationship with you. It is, I mean, you test our abilities to love. You test our abilities to forgive. When you keep going back and you know, but you don't care or you're not aware, it is so, so tough. Am I okay to say that? I mean, I think some of us are there, right? We, we've been a part of that broken relationship, those broken dynamics. And so my question, and this is where when you have God and when you say, why wouldn't you want to live outside of that? Why wouldn't you want to get out of sin management? And why wouldn't you want to say, I am in a battle and I want to fight the right battle? Why wouldn't you want to do that? Instead of go along in life and be like, oh, it doesn't really matter. I think the thing is, is what would your life look like if you started to battle the real battle? To understand that being hungry and thirsty is the goal rather than being full and happy. Being hungry and thirsty for God is the goal. And I think that when we begin to battle the right battle, that hunger begins to, when we realize that we are dependent and we need God at every turn of our life, we begin to throw ourselves at him. So I think today there's some things that have happened to us and that we've done maybe that, that have caused us to be captured. And we're still being held by those things today. And I believe that God's here today to free you of that stuff. It doesn't have to happen in a year from now. It doesn't happen, have to happen tomorrow or next week. But God's here to free you today. That Jesus is the one that breaks it. See, the thing is, is what you have to do is you have to begin to change your your, your mindset and allow it to be renewed by the Spirit. Because guess what? You are more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer. You are someone who battles. You are not the hunted. You are the hunter. You're, I love Matt Chandler. He says, you know what you got to do? When that lion comes at you with that temptation, you need to take that lion out into the street and kill it. And what we want to do is we want to pet a hungry lion doesn't go well. Understanding that sin as a hunger for us is terrifying if you don't have Jesus because Jesus flips the script and says, guess what? You are not bound by what happened 10 years ago. You are not bound by what you did or said. You have freedom. When you come before God and ask for that forgiveness, God is faithful to forgive you. Is anybody excited about that? I mean, I think part of the problem is, is we have been duped by the enemy to believe that we cannot get out. And I am telling you, it's painted on the walls out there. It says, your life can change. Your life can change because here's what we need. We need the power of God to break those things in us. And we want to be able to come here and have coffee and sing songs, and that's great. But the real goal for me is to allow the Holy Spirit to get up inside you and say, you know what? You don't like the way things are. Guess what? There's better. There's more. There's extra. You're living in scarcity? You don't have to. You don't have to be afraid of going out into the world anymore because you are more than a conqueror and you are an overcomer and you have Jesus, the spirit that raised him from the inside you and it's time for you to break out. Yeah. <sighs> One day, <laughs> it's going to happen. And I believe for some of you, it's today. And so why don't we stand, Ben can come up,
And as we go into this time, I think that those three people are in the room, and obviously three categories of people. And we're going to sing some songs, and these songs are two of them we wrote, the first and last song we wrote, and I think that's amazing to see, but I don't want us to get distracted by the songs as much as I want us to be distracted by what the Holy Spirit is doing inside you right now. That for some of you, you are walking in here chained up, bound up, and God wants to free you from that. And it's that sin has somehow, and it doesn't have to be a big one. It doesn't have to be the fact that something happened that's tragic and amazing. It doesn't, no, it's the, that there's something that God wants to free you of, that he's got you in this area of your life. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to break that today. So God, as we go before you, Lord, as we sing, Lord, we just feel... Lord God, that we feel the attack. We feel the fact that we're being hunted. We, for, for whatever reason, it's weird how like, things happen and, it, and all of a sudden we, we're tempted or all of a sudden we, we, we stumble. And, and Lord, we, we don't understand why do we do that? And the whole time there's something going on underneath. And today we've exposed that, Lord. And today, Lord God, we come to you to say, Lord, we want to humble ourselves before you and say, God, we need you. We're dependent upon you. First and foremost, to break the chains of those things that are on our lives that we are being held back by. That's breaking relationships around us. And so, Lord, during these songs, Lord, we, we want to lift up your name for sure, but we want to allow your spirit to descend upon this room and into our hearts and to begin to break those chains. And if tears need to roll, that's fine. And if hands need to be raised, that's fine. And if we need to find a place to, to pray and kneel in this warehouse, that's fine. If we want to dance, we, whatever it is, God, you are here to break some things in us. And so, God, we bind Satan and all of his schemes. We break those chains in Jesus' name right now. And we know, Lord God, that as that happens, Lord, there is no room for him in this place because you are king of this kingdom. And Lord, this little pocket of where we are, this is safe ground for us to process with you and to begin to move into what it is that you have for us because we've been held back from it too long. So hear us as we sing in Jesus' name. For some of us today that are ready want to uh, allow that offering, your offering to come from your heart for you to give God your first and best to begin to put others first, to be dependent and say, Jesus, you are first in my life and I want to put my anxieties squarely on your plate and not mine. Like I, I believe that some of us, maybe many of us today are turning that corner today and, and I would say to all of you that if you're feeling that, we're, we're going to be doing something to make it real. Um, it's called the Matthew 25 Challenge. It's going to be the week of Love Moni. It's going to start on the 29th, uh, the day after, um, kind of like that, that 5K or 6K happens and all that. And every day you're going to be challenged to do something. And you're going to be relating and experiencing what it's like to be in poverty. Sounds terrifying, right? Well, it's something that is designed to help us, to help us connect, to help us to go deeper into that experience a little bit and to 
When you're serving at Love Moni or you're working on a project, it's going to feel a little bit different because of the things that you're doing that week. And so I want you to, to, to begin to think about that. One day you're going you're gonna to fast a meal or more. One day you're going to be challenged. I'm giving you a heads up so you, you can prepare for that meal, right? Pick the one you want to skip, right? One day you're going to be challenged to sleep on the floor. One day you're going to be challenged to eat rice and beans all day. Because that's what most of the world eats. So if that's you today, I want you to be preparing your heart for a week that's going to be life-changing for you, but also for our community. I'm excited. I'm pumped about it. But I'm more pumped about what God has done today in your hearts because I believe that that God is moving and yet God is, is allowing that to happen. So Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for the, what you're doing in our hearts. May it not stop with the end of this song or the end of this service, but Lord, may it continue on today, tomorrow, throughout this week. And Lord, if we need to fast um, a meal this week or a day this week, then, then Lord, allow us, help us to do that through the power of your Spirit. And Lord, and Lord we, we know that as we serve and as we get out there and as we begin to love those who are really difficult to love, that that creates a dependency on you and a hunger for you. And so Lord, continue that, sustain that hunger in us this week, that we want to be with you. We want to know you. We want to see our lives change, not because of us, but because of you. And so Lord, we give you that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great week.